Hey everyone, this is James Wilson with MTB Strength Training Systems and BikeJames.com and welcome to another Riding for a Lifetime podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about meditation and specifically how you can use meditation to improve your performance, uh, you know, especially on the bike, you know, in the gym, in life. Um, so this is a subject that I'm really excited to share with you guys. It's something that I've been doing myself for a while. And so being able to share, uh, my practice and, and some things that I found to help for myself and my journey and, and give you guys some concrete things and ways that you can start using, uh, meditation yourself to help improve, like I said, your, uh, you know, your journey here, this writing for a lifetime journey. So meditation is one of those words that elicits a pretty mixed reaction from people when you bring it up. Um, some people are totally into it. Uh, some people think it's a bunch of nonsense. So you've got like kind of, uh, you know, people on either end of the extreme. And then you got some people who, you know, think it probably has some benefits, but, uh, they don't really know what to do or where to start. And it is kind of one of those things that can be a little intimidating if you don't really know, uh, you know, those things. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times meditation, especially for those of us who grew up, you know, I was born in, in 75. And so I grew up in the, the 80s, was high school in the early 90s. And so um, I think for those of us who are in the 40, 50 plus crowd, um, we've seen a pretty uh, good, uh, you know, remarkable cultural shift as it comes to when it comes to meditation, um, you know, for a long time, it was seen as one of those things that, you know, hippies did or, you know, you would associate it with, you know, some, uh, you know, yogi who would go into the mountains, into a cave and, and meditate for, you know, hours and days and stuff. And and so there was this uh, connection between meditation and this uh, kind of counterculture um, you know, using it as, as part of a way to kind of, you know, uh, check out of society and also this thing that took a lot of time and, and energy and effort in order to be able to to do and, and on some level, the ability to almost like check out of society in order to be able to, uh, you know, to, to utilize and access. And so um, it can kind of seem like one of those things like, yeah, okay, it, you know, maybe it has some benefit, but I can't do those things, right? Like I can't just go sit in a cave for, you know, hours or days and, and meditate on, on things. And so, um, but the good news is, is that you don't need to do that. Uh, one of the interesting things that, um, you know, over the last few you uh, years or you know decade or more has been uh, the the scientific uh, study of meditation and some different aspects around it and so uh, we're able to apply um, you know Western science which is you know good in in some ways and can also be a little reductionist in other ways and kind of limit our our view of things but I think that in helping us better understand like what are the best practices what you know how do we you know get the the most out of the least amount of time that we can uh, in this practice, because again, you know, we do have limited amount of time. That is a, a limited resource for us. And so, how do we how do we use this while keeping that in mind? Um, so, uh, meditation is something that I've personally been using since. I mean, really, I think I started around 19 years old, and that was more a matter of uh, you know just chance than any real self-directed thing of my of, on my own I uh my uh 
first year at, at college, I waited till the last minute to sign up for electives. And so by the time I got around to doing it, uh, all the electives that I wanted to take were full. And so I had to choose from some things that still had some openings. And one of them was a Tai Chi class and, you know, Tai Chi class that actually was at like eight o'clock in the morning, which is why I think that it wasn't, uh, you know, filled up yet. It was pretty early wake up call. And so that was a, an interesting introduction. I'd actually, you know, done some martial arts in high school. And so I had some introduction to, uh, you know, that, that philosophy and Tai Chi is a, it, you know, again, not getting too far off, like the people that do Tai Chi, some, some of them will tell you it is a form of a, a martial art. I will say that it, you know, probably blurs the line there a little bit, um, as, as far as like kind of being more of a health and movement, uh, meditation, uh, versus like an actual, like combat art that's going to teach you how to actually uh, fight and, and survive a, a high stress, high impact situation. Um, again, I do uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and so I have had a taste of uh, what most people would be considered to be a pretty effective fighting art. And so uh, they are at opposite ends of the extreme there. But again, I, I think Tai Chi is, is great, has a, a lot of benefits. Um, I just don't think that you're actually going to learn how to fight. Uh, doing it, but that wasn't the point of the class, right? The point of the class was to introduce us to Tai Chi, introduce us to like some, one of the first basic forms, and also introduce us to the ideas behind it, which included uh, the idea of the the Tao or the Tao, kind of depending upon how you uh, pronounce it. You know, uh, T A W uh, is how you spell it, um, and then you know, along with that comes. Uh, meditation and a big part of, of Taoism is using meditation to help you uh, train your mind and help free your mind from a lot of the preconceived uh, ego uh, bindings that we have. And so, um, again, that starts to get into more of kind of the spiritual side of meditation, which again is where some people can get a little uh, a little wishy-washy with, right? A little, little like, uh, I'm not real comfortable with this spiritual you know, side of things. And so that's where uh, the science comes in. And uh, again, since, you know, uh, I started to go more in the direction of becoming a strength coach um, around that time. And so uh, as part of, you know, becoming a strength coach, I wanted to know how to, you know, how does a human body work and how to improve its performance. And as part of that, um, the mind is, is part of that. And so there's a lot of ways to train and harness the power of the mind. And so I started to see um, some crossover between some of the things that I had studied as part of meditation uh, in my Tai Chi class and what I was seeing in like the areas of sports psychology and visualization and, and things like that, that, you know, some things that had been, you know, shown to help improve athletic performance, um, you know, performance in other areas as well. Uh, but while again, sports psychology and meditation aren't exactly the same thing, right? I'm not going to say that they are, there are a lot of similarities and, you know, the idea of using a way to train your mind has been used over, you know, thousands and thousands of years to help people perform in high stress situations. And so it's not, this is nothing new, right? This is something that, that we have, you know, humans have, have known how to access and take advantage of. Um, on some levels, you know, we've kind of had forgotten about it and we're just kind of getting introduced to it again, especially in the Western world where we really did a good job of scrubbing anything that had any semblance of spirituality 
out of uh, out of things because you know spirituality you can't measure. And so if you can't measure it, then that means that you can't do science on it. And if you can't do science on it, then it doesn't really exist in the Western scientific uh, viewpoint. And so, again, that's where um, the, you know, using the tools of science, so to study the practice of meditation and see they're like, okay, you know, people can talk about the spiritual benefits from it, but you're also getting these physical benefits from it. You're also getting this ability to, you know, focus your mind and be able to perform better. And so there are like measurable benefits uh, in, in the body and the mind that go beyond, you know, just the spiritual aspects. And so, again, I think that's where the cultural shift has started to, you know, has happened and has made it more acceptable in, uh, in, in serious circles, shall we say, uh, is because we do actually have some science to back up some of the benefits. Um, and again, as we, as we understand the human brain more, being able to understand the difference between different brainwave patterns and what they do and kind of how meditation helps put you into optimal brainwave patterns for certain activities. And so, um, again, it's just, it's, it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, evidence out there to show that the practice of meditation or, uh, you know, again, I, I've been in um, getting into breath work, which is, again, breath work and meditation are not exactly the same thing, but there are a lot of crossovers there as well. In fact, one of the, the courses that I took, um, the guy, you know, he, he said like, look, man, breath work is basically uh, meditation for people who don't want to do meditation. So you get like some, you know, uh, you know, some real, some person who's really into, you know, uh, science and they want to do things scientifically and you bring up meditation and they're going to like, I don't want to meditate, but then you bring up breath work and you start talking about all of the scientifically proven things that breath work can do for you. And they're like, Oh yeah, I'm in, I'm into that. So again, it's all kind of on some level semantics. It's like, do you do you feel comfortable just calling it breath work and telling people that you have a breath work practice? Okay, that's fine. Um, but again, a lot of what you're getting and, and a lot of things that are going on there, there's a lot of crossover between that and meditation. And so, if you, I believe, if you have a, a breath work practice, then you have a uh, some form of meditation practice. And if you have a meditation practice, uh, you have a breath work practice because again, like your breathing is in a huge important part of meditation and using your breathing to help you focus your mind and and uh you know reach that meditative state and so uh again there's a lot of crossover between the sports psychology um breath work and meditation and so again just trying to help you know you understand like well what is the what's the best practices what's the best things that i can do you know let's cut through the semantics who cares what we're calling it i just want to be able to uh, perform better. I want to be able to help control uh, stress and anxiety. I want to feel better. Um, you know, if, if those are your goals, then great. What do we do to do that? And what you want to call it on the other side of that is is up to you. I don't really care, right? So, um, so anyway, so uh, like I mentioned, there has been. Um, you know, a lot of science behind uh, meditation and different meditation practices. Um, it's been helped, shown to lower, uh, help lower blood pressure, um, improve mood, lower stress. And, you know, again, th these physical things have been, you know, it has a physical effect on the body. Like they can measure and see like, oh, your blood pressure is lower. Oh, your, you know, stress hormones and, and markers are lower. Um, again, mood's a little bit more of a subjective thing, but again, there are ways to, you know, pretty well accepted scientifically validated ways to help measure that. And so uh, through those methods, this has been shown to help that as well. And so again, I, I look at it as, as uh, 
you know, meditation, um, breath work, whatever you want to call it, it's going to help improve your health. It's going to help improve your performance and it's going to help improve your mindset. And these are all three very important things for us to, you know, succeed in, in life in general. But especially as we get older, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help uh, maximize those things because those are the, the things that can start to deteriorate uh, on us if we don't have some sort of practice to help us with that. So, uh, again, I, I think that for the 40 plus year old mountain biker, um, having a meditation practice is extremely important. Again, breathwork practice, meditation practice, whatever you feel comfortable calling it. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to refer to it as meditation um, going forward just because this is you know podcast on meditation for mountain biking. But again, if, if you get squeamish about that word, just insert breathwork, okay? Um, I, but I do believe that it is as important as uh, strength, cardio, and skills training, um, meaning that if you need to cut back on something else to find time, then that's going to be worth it. Okay, and so, uh, but the thing is, is you only need a, as little as 12 minutes a day. Again, there's been um, some science, there's a, a book I'll refer to um, uh, called Peak Mind that I'll, I'll uh, refer to later when, uh, for some resources. But in that book, um, the author, again, did research on, on people in high stress, high performance situations and how do we use meditation, uh, you know, breathing and breath work to help improve their performance in these situations. We're talking about, you know, special forces, uh, operators, um, you know, again, uh, you know, business executives, people in like very high stress uh, situations. And, and again, these guys are very busy. They don't have a lot of time. So she wanted to find out, well, how little time do you need to spend in order to see the, the results, right? Like, again, if you can go for half an hour to an hour, great. But how little can you cut that back and still see results? And what she found through her studies was that 12 minutes was that threshold. That if you could give yourself at least 12 minutes of a, a breathing meditation practice, then you will see benefits, uh, noticeable benefits from it. So it's not a huge time investment. Like honestly, if you can't fit in like 12 minutes somewhere, then um, again, I know everybody has periods of their life where that's difficult, but if that's an everyday aspect of your life, you may need to step back and reassess a few things. Um, but again, if you're doing your strength cardio and skills training and you need to cut back a couple minutes from one of those things like, you know, perhaps you do, uh, you know, your meditation, um, before you do your strength training or, you know, after as a way to help prepare for skills training or something, right? Like, so you can, can tack it on at the beginning or end of one of your other practices. Um, and again, if you need to cut back a little bit of time to help do that, I think that it's extremely valuable for you to do that and it will, uh, pay dividends for you. So again, my goal here, uh, moving forward is to give you a broad overview of meditation practices and then give you some practical tips on how you can start using uh, meditation as a part of your overall training program. So, uh, I personally, uh, use meditation in two different ways. Um, I use it to train my attention, my ability to focus um, and kind of an extension of that as a way to help enter the flow state. And then I also use it as a way to visualize high stress situations I want to perform well in and train my body to associate that, that high stress situation with a feeling of calm. And so uh, that, that kind of gets into the visualization side of, of sports psychology. But again, I use my meditation practice to get myself into the mental state of relaxation that I want to be in before I start my visualization practice. And so uh, I, I look at it as two different 
um, things. But again, my, my, my meditation practice is at the core of both of them. So uh, the first thing I recommend you start with is using meditation to train your attention. Um, and again, this will help with the, the relaxation and, and, you know, with med- with a, an improved attention ability to focus and, and stay focused, you're going to find the visualization stuff will work better. Um, because again, what you're going to find is that your mind is going to wander. Your mind is going to have a difficult time just staying focused on what you're trying to do. Uh, and so with practice that gets better. And so again, that's why I I recommend starting with the, the, this basic meditation practice. And then as you get comfortable with that, you can tack on the, the visualization to the end of it and then make, take advantage of that. Um, so with this method, you want to find something to focus your attention on. Now, traditionally, there were three different things that you can use, uh, your breathing, which is what I'm going to recommend and explain to you how to use, uh, um, you know, that's uh, one, another would be an object. So for example, like the flame of a candle and just, you know, focusing on that, on that, um, or a sound. And again, it could be an external uh, sound or one that you're making yourself. So again, a, a mantra uh, is is what they would be referred to, and like Om, right? Like that's one of the most well known uh, mantras. But you would basically hum that to yourself. And so again, breathing's part of that because you have to breathe in and, and breathe out and, and to and to do that. Um, but you're focusing on that that sound. Um, mainly and so but the thing that all three of them have in common is that there's something that you are trying to focus your attention on and your goal is to you know keep your attention focused as best you can knowing that it's going to wander and you're going to have to bring it back so i think that's probably the first thing that you want to know and just be comfortable with is that the point of meditation is not to just sit there and completely turn your mind off and and have no thoughts going through your mind now again like on the on the extreme end of you know, your, your goals with meditation and being able to reach that mind, no mind state. And again, thinking about nothing is still by definition thinking something. So words don't really describe what this no mind state is. Um, and yes, that is one of your ultimate goals is, is to be able to achieve that, that mind, no mind state uh, that you, you know, you hear about as part of meditation, but just know that that is not the, the only way that you're going to see benefits. It's not where you're going to start. It's not even what I'd say, like your, your first goal should be, right? Don't worry about that. Don't put that pressure on yourself. I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people get stressed out and, and, and don't use meditation is because they think that they suck at it. Right. And they're like, well, I sit down and I start trying to you know, meditate and my mind is just going everywhere. And that means that I suck. And it's like, no, it means that you're totally normal. It means that that's exactly normal and that you're, you're going through what everybody else is going through when they first start. And so, you know, don't worry about it. Just let that just don't put that stress on yourself. And so just know that you are going to have to, uh, you know, work on that and it will get better, but it's never going to be 100 percent. Right. So that's just that's just how it is. So, uh, like I said, I recommend you use your your breathing uh, because it's just easy. And it's also a great way to work in some breathwork training as part of your meditation practice. So to do this, you want to get set up in a comfortable position. Uh, You can be sitting or lying down. Uh, Just make sure that you're in a position that you will be comfortable in and won't and won't need to, you know, move around in to stay comfortable in. So again, if like sitting on the ground with your legs crossed, uh, crossed, 
works for you, then great. If you find that to be extremely uncomfortable, then work on your hip mobility. Uh, but in the meantime, feel free to, to sit or lie in any way that you find comfortable. Just be comfortable. That's the, the primary thing. Um, you also don't have to, but I recommend closing your eyes to help you focus on your breathing. Um, again, there are some meditation practices that have you keep your eyes open. Uh, you know, with this, again, you can do either one, but I like to close my eyes when I'm really trying to focus on my breathing. Uh, I recommend setting a tempo where your exhale is even with or slightly longer than your inhale. And so a tempo is basically like how many seconds for your inhale, how many seconds for your exhale. And you want to set one where, like I said, they're even or slightly longer. So ones I like to work with, um, four seconds in, six seconds out, right? So I have uh, an exhale that's a little bit longer than my inhale. Or five seconds in, five seconds out where I have something even. So those are, are two that I personally use a lot. Uh, you can play with uh, whatever tempo uh, feels comfortable and works for you. But again, just trying to keep with that. Uh, basic idea of having the inhale and exhale be equal to each other or having the exhale be a little bit longer. Um, that will help just trigger more of a rest and relaxation response from your breathing. So if you have a breathing pattern where your uh, exhale is very short and fast, uh, especially compared to your inhale, that's going to be more of a stress breathing pattern. It's going to trigger more of a fight or flight response in your body. And so you want to use your breathing to help trigger that relaxation response. So that's why you want that even with or slightly longer exhale uh, compared to your inhale. So, you know, with this, you simply follow your breathing. Um, you count off the tempo. Uh, you can do it in your head if you want. Um, or I recommend using a, a timer. Um, I used uh, I use Paced Breathing is a, a app that you can get on Android, and I believe that I Breathe is a good one that you can get on uh, the iPhone. Um, but you can set up the tempo and just hit how long you want to go, and just hit go, and just follow along as it kind of counts that off using a sound to indicate the inhale and then another sound to indicate the exhale and just follow along focusing on your breathing. So when you're doing this, you want to feel your breath going into your belly and filling the lungs from the bottom to the top. And then you want to reverse that and feel the, the, the air being pushed out. Um, but again, you want to make sure that you're, you're breathing into the belly. This will make sure that you're using the diaphragm for your breathing, which again, this is part of a good breathwork practice, uh, training yourself to use the diaphragm to drive your breathing. Um, and using your diaphragm also helps trigger that rest and relaxation response. And so uh, the belly breathing, as it's called, um, I don't really like that term because I feel like I've, I've actually you know, run across people that have trained themselves to use their abdominals pushing in and out to help drive their breathing. And that is not the point of belly breathing. Like if belly breathing is that you feel pressure in your belly from your breathing, not that you're driving your your breath from your belly, right? Because your your diaphragm pushing down should be pushing down into the viscera and stuff in your belly and you feel that pressure pushing out. And so it's, it's more of a passive uh, feeling with the pressure creating that expansion and contraction um, rather than you purposefully trying to use the muscles in your belly to do that. So don't screw yourself up by training yourself how to breathe in a really weird way by taking the term belly breathing too seriously. Just understand that it's you do want to breathe into your belly, but it's more of a feeling of pressure 
pushing into the belly rather than you driving it from the belly. Um, so, uh, but again, that'll help you just improve your breathing efficiency and so not only are we getting the meditation practice but we're also getting some breath work practice from it as well so if your mind wanders just bring it back right and like i said this will happen it is part of the process um so again you're sitting there focusing on your breathing and then all of a sudden something pops in your head like oh yeah i'm supposed to you know get ready for this trip later today uh and you notice yourself oh wait 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 uh, you know bring myself back to my breathing right so don't beat yourself up over it. Don't like as soon as you notice that your mind is starting to wander and 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 start to starting to stick to some sort of thought. Uh, just let it go. Just let it go, right? And bring it back to your breathing. And like I said, don't make a big deal about it. And uh, that's going to happen over and over. But that is part of the practice. So again, like I said, you can focus on an object like a flame or a sound or mantra. You know, like the Om. You know, again, there's other ones that you can use. Um, again, I think that uh, I do believe that this has been studied and that you can use any sort of you know syllable or sound that that works for you. So there's not anything magical about the the Om or other. Uh, traditional, um, you know, meditation chants. But again, you know, why reinvent the wheel? If people have found something to work well, then you can use that. But uh, there's nothing magical about it is all I'm saying. You can use whatever you want if you want. Um, so again, like I said, at first you're going to find that it's tough to sit there and not have your mind wandering around and you're going to constantly be having to bring it back to your breathing or your other focal point. Um, but like I said, that's totally normal with practice. This will happen less and your ability to recognize it and bring your attention back will be more automatic. And really, that's what we're looking for. It's not stopping your attention from wandering. It's noticing it and bringing it back uh, and having that start to happen faster and become more of an automatic reaction. Like That's where your improved focus is going to come from is, is that ability to notice the, the distracting thoughts and put them out and bring it back to what you're doing. Um, so the couple other things, um, that you can do from a breathwork side of things, you can create even more of a breathwork challenge by adding pauses to the top and bottom of the breath. So, you know, you can breathe in, right? Hold on the inhale, breathe out and hold on the exhale. So again, you can add time to those parts, uh, to create, you know, like triangle breathing. If you're, if you're, uh, holding on the inhale or the exhale, uh, or what they call box breathing, which is um, a really popular breathing method that you may have heard of, but this is basically holding for the, you know, having the tempo for the inhale, hold at the top, exhale, and hold at the bottom, all be the same. So for example, like, you know, a four second inhale, hold for four seconds, four second exhale, hold for four seconds, like repeat that process. And so again, this is this is more of a challenge um, and, and kind of more of a breathwork challenge. So it, it may, you may find it harder to relax uh, as much by by introducing the breath holds, um, but the breath holds do create more of a of a of a breathing challenge um, for you. So if you are looking for more of a breath work workout, then kind of a good way to uh, you know uh, to do that to increase the difficulty. So um, personally, I do both. Right, like I'll spend about five or six minutes working on box breathing, and then I'll spend about five or six minutes working on just a regular tempo. So I'll have like a, you know, a four second box breathing, you know, four inhale, four hold, 
four second exhale, four second hold, uh, box breathing going. And then when I'm done with that, I will switch over to a five second inhale and five second exhale, just even tempo, nice steady breathing. And that one really helps me relax. So I finish off with that one. So I finish feeling, you know, more relaxed. And so that helps me. I feel like I get best of both worlds because one of the things that you get from your, your meditation, especially if you're using it as a breathwork practice, um, it helps with overbreathing, which is a common uh, breathing dysfunction where we're breathing more than we metabolically need to. And so by uh, definition, most people uh, overbreathe. And so by really slowing the breathing down to, you know, like five or, or less breaths per minute, you're, you're, you're breathing less than normal, right? And so that's, again, training the overbreathing and helping with overbreathing. And it also helps with CO2 tolerance. Um, carbon dioxide is that trigger rising levels of carbon dioxide is what triggers that holy crap I can't catch my breath feeling so again there's a difference between getting breathless and running out of gas and a lot of our, our cardio training really works on the getting out running out of gas side of things without really working as hard on the I'm getting breathless uh, side of things and so by uh, creating higher levels of CO2 in your blood, it forces your body to get used to that. And so by uh, your, your, your meditation practice, just by you slowing down your breathing will uh, both help with, with over-breathing and also help with CO2 tolerance because you're going to naturally be creating higher levels of CO2. And this is where the box breathing and triangle breathing really work. That's why I like the box breathing first um, because it is challenging and it is uh, really working on that CO2 tolerance. You are really building up a higher levels of CO2. Um, so you got to really work on your ability to stay uh, comfortable in, in the face of that kind of suffocating feeling that can come from, from rising levels of CO2. But using the triangle or box breathing to create that CO2 challenge and then just using the regular breathing to, you know, also creates a little bit of a CO2 challenge, but it really helps to uh, relax and, and uh, you know, kind of take advantage of that aspect as well. So, again, you're getting a lot from it, right? A lot from 12 minutes if you are consistent with it. So on the trail, this is going to help you in several different ways. You know, one, I, I mentioned the CO2 tolerance. Again, I would recommend some CO2 tolerance training. I have some, uh, you know, at bikejames.com, if you uh, uh, do a search for CO2 tolerance training, you'll see some different workouts and ways to uh, address that as well. So I think that the meditation, you know, breathwork practice helps with it. If you really want to see results there, you're going to probably have to do a little bit more, uh, but you will notice it, right? You, you will see some results in that area, uh, help with the over breathing. Um, but it's also going to help you focus your mind when it matters the most, right? Your ability to stay focused and, and keep the distracting thoughts at bay. Um, and it gives you a way to use your breathing to help control anxiety in the moment. Because again, you, you get used to this. Uh, if, I, if I slow my breathing down, if I use this breathing pattern, it triggers a, a relaxation response in the body. You, like you just start to associate that breathing pattern with relaxing. And so it'll help give you a way to use your breathing on the trail. If you start to feel yourself getting stressed, uh, you know, maybe you got like a, a section coming up or, a, a, you know, a, you know, something you got to ride that makes you a little nervous. And so using your breathing to help control the stress levels, it, it helps you train yourself to do that. And this also, I think I mentioned this earlier, it does help with uh, entering into and staying in the flow state because 
one of the things that will kill that flow state are outside thoughts and distractions. And so your ability to just let those things flow through, right? Don't attach to these thoughts. And that will help you both enter and stay in, in the flow state easier uh, than someone who doesn't quite have that same level of, of training and their ability to stay focused uh, on the moment. And so again, this will have a, a big impact on your riding, especially I think in, in the, with the more technical side of riding, because it's, it is a lot of times our mind is our biggest you know enemy there. We may have the skills and the ability to do something, but the ability to quiet the mind, focus the mind, and be able to execute and do the things that we know how to do in the moment is what really matters. And so uh, this will help with that quite a bit. Um, so uh, another way that you can use meditation is to combine it with visualization. And this is uh, you know very similar starting out, right? So you want to do five to 10 minutes of regular meditation uh, to help you enter into a calm and relaxed state of mind. I, I would recommend not using the box breathing or something that really challenges the CO2 tolerance for this. I would just recommend like a four, six or five, five breathing to just help you, uh, you know, enter like kind of a more calm, relaxed state. Uh, this is one where, you know, you may find that laying down so you can really just focus on relaxing and trying to feel like a deep muscle relaxation um, as you are uh, breathing and entering into this relaxed state can help. Um, once you've done this, you want to start to visualize the anxiety-producing situation. And while you're doing that, you need to focus on staying calm and using your breathing to help you. So uh, if you start to lose control and feel yourself starting to get tense and anxious, then stop the visualization and go back to just focusing on your breathing and relaxing. And, uh, you know, for example, right, if you're nervous about competition, you can visualize yourself getting ready for and going through the steps leading up to the start of a race. Now, one of the interesting things is when they study this, uh, most athletes report that the lead up to a competition is actually more stressful than the competition itself. And so I find that that's what you really want to focus on. Plus, once the competition starts, there's a lot of variables that you don't have control of. And so trying to focus on you know the competition going a certain way um, one, like I said, that's not actually the most stressful part of the process for, for most athletes. And you're also, you, you don't really have control over that. That's harder for you to, to visualize and really, um, visualize things that you can control and make happen. And so the, but you can control the steps leading up to the, right? The training, the eating, the, the things that you do to recover and get ready, uh, your process for, for the day of a competition. Um, again, what I find really helpful is visualizing that, like visualizing the process of getting ready for the competition, arriving at the venue, going through my steps of getting ready, uh, you know, getting up to the, the start of the competition, like right up to that moment before the competition starts, right? Like visualizing everything right up to there. And the goal is to like, I want to start the competition in a relaxed, confident state of mind. Now, again, there is, you know, your arousal level, you don't want it to be too low, right? Like you don't want to feel like you're about ready to take a nap. You don't want to feel like you're, you know, amped up. And, you know, again, there's different, um, they do have arousal levels. Like, you know, uh, there's a, there's a, a good level for you, right? Like, so for example, like if you're getting ready to do a downhill race, you probably need a little bit higher arousal level than if you're getting ready for uh, the first lap of a 24-hour race or something, right? So there are, uh, you're going to have to know what works for you and, and, and your uh, competition that you're doing, but you want to visualize yourself 
entering, like starting the competition in that arousal, at that arousal level, you know, feeling as relaxed and confident as you can within that. And uh, like I said, that's what I find works works really well for me and the athletes that I work with on this is is using your visualization for that. Now, again, there's different uh, ways of using visualization. Um, the Probably the best way is to imagine like a first person view, meaning that you actually see the situation through your eyes. Right. So you you see and you feel the more detail that you can introduce, the better. So, again, sights, smells, feels, all those things, the, the, the more you can visualize that, the more real you can make it, the more benefit you're going to get from visualization. And so uh, but again, if you have trouble doing that and you find that visualizing, seeing yourself doing it works better, that's fine, too. Right. Uh, again, in, in head to head comparing that that watching yourself from the outside versus seeing it through your own eyes it has been shown that seeing it through your own eyes can be slightly more beneficial but again that's if you can do it right everybody's different and so if you find that man i just really have trouble doing that and i find this other way to be much easier you're going to get more benefit from that so don't don't worry about uh that little detail there but again if if you can try to uh, use that first person perspective. And either way, you really want to make it as, as realistic in your mind as possible. Um, again, your mind has, it, it can't really distinguish on some level between things that you're imagining and uh, things that are real, right? So that's why, you know, if you're getting stressed out and you had like, uh, you know, a bad meeting with your boss and you start imagining like all the bad things that could happen about like, oh my God, I may get fired and I may lose my job. And then what's going to happen, right? You start to feel yourself getting stressed out over this thing that like, it's not happening, right? It's just, it's in your head, but you're imagining it and it seems real. And so it's, but it causes a physiological response in your body. And so you can use that same thing to your benefit by using visualization to help inoculate yourself basically from anxiety and stress in these high stress situations. And so, uh, um, so again, another way you could use this is if you have a, a trail or a section of trail that is extremely challenging, um, or if you've got a new feature or obstacle that you want to do. Um, and so again, you can use, as you get good with this, you start to be able to use visualization in the moment. And this is something that I, uh, you know, did a lot, especially in my, my more free ridey days when I'm dropping in on, on pretty big stuff with big consequences is, uh, I, I credit my ability to visualize with being able to do that stuff because I could, you know, through my experience, I kind of, even if it was the first time I was hitting something, you can start to just get an idea of like, okay, this is probably going to feel like this. And you could, I could visualize myself doing it and feeling it. And then, so that time, that way, the first time that I I did it, right, if I came up on a drop, I really want to visualize what's that going to look like, right? I'm going to come up on the drop. I'm going to look over the edge. What am I going to see? And, and so that way you run through your mind and in that way, when you roll up on it the first time, again, your mind in your mind, the way your mind sees it, like this isn't the first time you've done it, right? Cause you've done it in your mind. And if you did it the right way, then you've actually created some of the, the patterns and, and physiological responses and things that you will in real life. And so that way it's not the first time. It doesn't feel like the first time to your brain going like, holy crap. So, uh, so anyways, that, that ability to, to use visualization, as you use it more, you're going to be able to call on it um, on the trail. And so again, like your ultimate thing, especially in a high stress situation, you know, meaning like a, a, a feature or a section of trail that is challenging for you and, and 
can, you know, you're a little stressed out about your ability to use your breathing to calm down and then to visualize yourself successfully doing it will make a huge, huge impact on your ability to execute things properly on the trail. And so again, I, I don't know how people ride that don't do this stuff. Um, I mean, I've ridden with some people that don't, and it, it looks very uh, stressful and just kind of rolling the dice a lot of times. And so again, I guarantee you a lot of the top riders out there are using these tactics, whether they are aware of it and using it consciously or not. But I guarantee you that they are able to visualize and see themselves being successful and that they are able, they recognize that they need to keep their breathing under control because if it gets away from them, it can create stress, which will take away from their ability to, uh, again, they've shown that like once your heart rate gets over like 150 beats per minute or something like that, it really starts to affect fine motor skills. And so the higher that heart rate goes, the, the more it affects those fine motor skills. And so again, your ability to control your heart rate, control your anxiety will, will help you actually physically execute things better. Um, so again, so it's a very powerful tool that you, you can and should be making, uh, use of. So, um, anyways, the, uh, you know, the, the other cool thing with this is that you can extend this practice to things off of the bike. So, you know, public speaking, um, something that makes people a lot of nervous. It's funny because public speaking in a lot of surveys actually ranks above death is, is things that people are most nervous about. Um, or if you've got like a difficult conversation or talk you need to have with, you know, your boss or your significant other, you know, so using this practice to see yourself uh, entering into and handling these situations and, and staying calm while you're doing it. Because again, the idea is like, you know, you are associating this feeling of calm and, and relaxed confidence with the visualization of the situation. And so as your body associates that, again, when it enters that situation, it has an association already for it to fall back on, which is this more relaxed, uh, you know, state rather than just letting the anxiety just take off. Right. And so that's what happens a lot of times. We enter these situations and the anxiety level builds and it just keeps building and things just go downhill from there. And so uh, this this can really help you stop that process from taking over uh, by seeing yourself in these situations, being calm, being confident and, and using your breathing and visualization to help you uh, achieve those goals. So uh, as you can see, meditation is an extremely valuable tool. Uh, for us both on and off the bike. It isn't complicated and it doesn't have to take a lot of time for you to see results. I mean, you're literally just sitting there for 12 minutes uh, monitoring your breathing, right? And, and, and then if you want to add in some visualization, uh, you know, a, a few minutes of visualization at the end of that. So what are we talking like 15 minutes total? Uh, and you're literally just sitting there breathing and thinking, um, so it can't get more simple than that. And really it doesn't take a lot of time and you're not going to get a bigger bang for your buck as far as like time invested for what you're going to get out of that when it comes to performance and mental well-being and stress reduction and just so many things that you're going to get from a good uh, meditation practice. So some good books to check out on the subject. Um, I already mentioned one. Uh, it's called Peak Mind. Uh, the author is Amishi P. Jaw. Uh, and again, that's a, a, a great book about some research and, and stuff that she did herself 
on high performers and high stress situations and what worked for them. Um, and she's got some other very practical uh, suggestions and ways to use other uh, types of meditation um, to, to, to further your practice. And there's also a good book uh, called Psych by a guy named Judd Biasiati. And again, these will all be in the show notes, so you guys can check that out. But uh, that's another good book, and he does a really good job of, of going into a, a bunch of different uh, sports psychology uh, methods and things. And so, again, it's definitely not a meditation book. The Amishi is um, Indian, and so her culture has a meditation practice. And so I think that for her, the coming at the subject from um, the idea of meditation uh, was a more appealing idea. Uh, Judd is a definitely a Western scientific viewpoint meditation. He could, uh, you know, take or, or leave. He doesn't really care. He just wants the results from uh, what science tells him works. And so that's the, the, the angle that he comes at it from. And so he does a really good job of, uh, of that in that book. So two books that if you read those two books, you're going to know more about, uh, mental training and, and how to, you know, achieve a peak mind, um, than most people out there. So another great training mindset book, uh, is the book of five rings by Miyamoto Musashi. Uh, I, I quote that book a lot. It's one of my favorite, like I said, training books of, of all time. Musashi is recognized as the, the greatest samurai of all time. Um, and this book is his, uh, ideas on training and a lot of it has to do with, you know, um, how to train the mind as much as the body. And so he talks a lot about the need to combine meditation with physical training in order to achieve your goals. Uh, so again, this is nothing new. This is something that's been used for thousands of years. Um, and with modern science, we have some answers as to how it works and, you know, some of the best practices and, and how we can get the most for the least, right? And, and kind of what's the biggest bang for the buck. Um, but it's still something you have to make time for and do. Um, I promise you, though, that the effort will be well, well worth it. Um, so uh, something else to keep in mind, if you are interested in learning more about how to use breath work, uh, I do have my guide to better breathing for mountain biking uh, available. You can uh, purchase that at bikejames.com. In that, I uh, show you how to assess your breathing, give you some ways to improve it, uh, practical tips on how to use better breathing on the trail, um, how to improve your cardio with it, uh, goes, goes into the CO2 tolerance workouts and, and things, um, and also how to use it to help you prepare for competition. So I kind of go into a little bit more detail about how I use breathing and, and visualization and stuff for uh, competition all the way from like, you know, the signing up for it to, to starting it, right? So that whole process there. Um, so I hope this podcast has inspired you to start your own uh, breathing slash meditation practice. Um, as always, if you have any questions, uh, let me know. James at bikejames.com. I'm always happy to help. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've had fun sharing this info with, uh, with you. And I hope, like I said, you get something out of it. And I really hope that it does inspire you to start your own uh, meditation practice. Because like I said, I think that it's something that's extremely important, especially for the 40 plus year old rider. Um, that again, man, when you're 20 something, you can just, you can get away with almost anything, but we need every little thing that we can get and, and, you know, can using your, your mind, uh, training your mind, using your breathing. These are things that can make a big impact for us. So, I uh, hope that you will, uh, take me up on it and, and try it out and let me know how it goes. So once again, you can, uh, find out more 
at bikejames.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there. You can find all my training programs and stuff there. Um, And yes, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this podcast and I will talk to everybody next time.